0: You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Avram and I hope you enjoy this episode. It might be worthwhile, uh, as we are still in a mode of zehirut, of being careful about these issues, uh, to hear some of the chokhmah of Rabbi Yoshev in terms of tefilos, in terms of dealing with uh, Bikr Cholim and other things like that and also doing Le'elainu when someone passes away. <coughs> so let's start. Uh, Rabbi Yoshev, uh, was asked a question about, we know that when we daven for someone, <coughs> that we should ask, uh, we should use the, uh, the ill person's name and then his mother's name. And, um, Rebel Yosha felt that this was learned out from David Amelech, where David Amelech says, Ben when David Amelech said that he's an Evid, he also said that he was the son, not of Abdecha, but Amosecha, indicating that when David, who sets the paradigm for what it means to david the um, he uses his mother. That was Rebel Yosha felt was the, uh the simple shot about why right. yes i'm sorry um I just uh, a question um if a ger god forbid god forbid is sick uh, we know that on one hand he should be ben abraham but if a person is god forbid sick what mother does he mention sarah Imenu? so yes y- yes father? sarah no they mentioned uh, sarah if somebody the question is if a, a ger said a, is ill and they're davening for him, so you would daven ben Sora, yes. Um, now, the, uh, the Gemara and Shabbos that we had actually a couple of weeks ago also mentioned the words bar Planisa, indicating when it was talking about doing biker Cholim. it also mentions bar Planisa, as if it is a woman that you're supposed to mention, uh, the mother. Now, um, Rebel Yoshev says, that the only he says when he says if a person is davening for a shidduch or he's davening for or you were davening for someone else always mention the mother's name only when you get an aliyah in the teira there you use the father's name and also nebuch after someone passes away now they told Rebel Yoshiv that, that one of the students of Rikivager Rebel Leo of Greatitz asked. We know the Torah constantly tells us in the beginning of Sefer Bamidbar, "Lemishbachosam, lebeis avosam," that the way you see a family is connected through the father. Why don't we mention the father uh, only by a, after a person dies and only by a for the Torah? Rabbi Yoshev said, "Look, it's the pasuk. You don't have to know any more than that." I have to tell you, besides, Rabbi Yoshev um, didn't. Deve- delve into the question more, but I actually have seen uh, an approach that was uh, suggested by Ruven Margolius, who was a, um, a an incredible writer who was also a um, he also had uh, worked in um, uh, in Eretz Yisrael in Svarim and wrote many Svarim, uh, very very wonderful uh, machaber and Talmud Chacham. But Ruven Margolius writes in his commentary to the sefer hasidim that we know the gemara says that uh well he actually quotes the ramban in parsha sazria that the chomer of a person the physical body of the person comes from the mother in other words the mother provides most even though there might be dna which sort of like gives you her, his father's eyes or hair or similarity. It's the mother that creates the body, the mm-hmm. chomer. The tzura, the Ramban says, is more in tune with the father. That's what shapes the body. When someone is ill, Rebogola says, you want to mention the body. It's the body that's ill. So the mother which contributed the body, the mother which contributes the child, the body, that's who, who you mention in terms of davening. He also says, Raph Margolis, that the Gemara Nida says that there are three parts, three partners in a human being. There is the father, the mother, and God. And the, the, the father gives the blood and the flesh I'm sorry, the mother gives the blood in the flesh, the Gemara says, the red part, the odin. The father, the Gemara says, gives the white part, which they say means the bones. So therefore, Rav Margolis says the following. He says, that's why when a person's ill, you're davening for the blood, you're davening for the flesh. That's what the mother contributed. And therefore, again, it's the same idea. Whereas afterwards, he says, we know, based on our traditions, after a person dies, there's still a bone left that doesn't disintegrate. There's certain loose bone. And that bone doesn't disintegrate. And therefore, since that bone doesn't disintegrate, we sort of mention the father now. Because the father, in a way, contributes that bone that is eternal. If you go the other interpretation that the father is somehow connected more to the Neshama, that would be another reason why you would mention the father after a person had died. So that is um, about davening for a person. What about when you go to visit someone in Bikr Chulam? So the Gemara says in Brochos, the Rebbe Yoshef quotes that if someone, um, uh, you're davening for someone, you don't have to say their name. We learn it, of course, from the way Aaron Cohen davened for Miriam. And Moshe Rabbeinu, uh, uh, Aaron davened for Miriam. That's what they said. Hmm. Why didn't they say Miriam's name? So you see that you don't need to mention the name of the chola. Now the Mogan Avram quotes the Maril that says that's only if, like Aaron and, and Moshe, they were in front of Miriam and they saw Miriam's travails. They were they were witnesses to it, so therefore they didn't have to mention Miriam. But let's say you're davening in your house, the person's not there. You should mention the person's name. Now the Chasam um, sefer in the Dorim writes based on. Uh, ideas in, in the Kabbalah that actually when you're in the, when you're in the uh, sick room, when you're in the hospital room, when you're in the room, when someone is ill, he says, some say says you shouldn't mention the person's name. You should specifically not. There's some sort of kitrug that if you mention the person's name, just say you're davening and don't mention the person's name. That's what some say says. However, um, if you take a look at the pre Rabbi uh, 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 Silva, uh, uh, who, uh De Silva, who was the uh, Rov Yerushalayim, he says, the Gemara says, you don't need to mention the Chavez name. That's what the Maril says. But it's always better if you could. And therefore, the, the pre-Chadash feels not like a thumb cypher. Yes, go ahead. The, the, the prikharash feels that it's actually better to mention the Chola's name. That's if you go to visit someone in the hospital and after you've seen what they need, and then you want to daven for him. So you should say the words and you should, according to the prikharash, you should say the person's name. Because that might even be better. You don't need to. Moshe and Aron didn't have to, but if you believe that's, that'll make you have more kabbalah. And you feel it's more effective, <laughs> then there's nothing wrong with mentioning a person's, in fact, maybe you should mention a person's name when he's ill in front of you. Um, the Mishnah Bura just says you don't need to mention, uh, the name. So we have three sheetas basically. We have the Chassam who says you should not mention the Chola's name uh, when you're in that room in front of him, if you're davening. Um, the, uh, the, uh, the Mishnah Bura and, um, says, you don't have to. And the pre chodesh says, okay, you don't have to, but it's better if you do. Uh, Rebel Yosheb, when he was asked about this, says, look, um, there's nothing wrong. He says, I don't think, sefer might have written that, but as far as he's concerned, if you want, you can mention the Choyle's name even in front of him. There's, you don't have to worry about some sort of Ayanara or something mentioning his name. Um, Again, part of the idea is, is that um, from the chassam seifers that somehow the din will be too strong. In other words, you're right in the room where the person's ill and you're mentioning his name, maybe, and you're stopping to God, maybe that's too direct. So, but the Rebbe Yoshev didn't give much weight to that. Um, Rebbe Yosheb was asked, where's the best place to daven? Uh, if a person wants to go, if, he's, uh, if he has a question of where he should daven for someone. Reb Yoshev said the best place if you're in Yerushalayim is to go to the Kaisel." They asked him what about going to the the Graver I sure remember Yochai? we talked yesterday about going to Kevar or going to the uh, going to the Marsa Machpelah. Reb said the Kaisel was better than the Marasa Machpelah. Because the Medrash says the shchinah is always there, Lozo from the Koiso Maravi. Now, it was interesting that the Rebel Yoshev, as, as you know, his grandfather was the, uh, was known as the Baal HaLeshev. His, his grandfather wrote one of the, uh, essential books in Kabbalah based on what was called the Kabbalah of the Vilna God. Um, Leshem Shavuot HaLhima, uh, That was the, that uh, was the, Sefer of the, the Rebel Yoshev's grandfather. And, uh, there's actually a place in that Sefer where the, the, the Zokeng says that his grandson, who was at that time either 12 or 13 years old, was helping him, uh, with the editing of the Sefer. So we're talking about something pretty incredible. We're talking about the Bala Leshem, was considered the, uh, this great Kabbalist. In the Leshem's works, the Leshem writes in one of the, and they found it, the Leshem said that that um, the Dovra as we know, uh, was, was the, they put the oil, he was anointed in Beis Lechem. And the Leshem says, where was that? They went to the place where Rochelimena was buried. Because, the Leshem writes, based on the Vilna Gon, that that was the place of Hashros Ashkina. Hashros Ashkina. In, um, <laughs> so they said well your grandfather wrote that that, that, that go to the kever of rochlemeno that's where you can feel the shchina so uh Reb, the, the rabbi yoshua said look I, I, you might have to look and see what my grandfather wrote it's similar to ashral shchina but it's not like the like the mishkan it's not like the mikdash it's not like the kaisul the kaisul is a place where we know the shchina is there they asked him again, all right, what about going to your own parents' graves and davening on their behalf for your child, for yourself? He says it's still better to go to the Kaisel. Um, right. And no matter what, he said the Kaisel was, and this is similar to what Rav Chaim Kanievsky and others have said, that we don't need to really run around looking for places. Um, you can go to the Kaisel to daven if you're in Yerushalayim, you can go and get Birchas kohanim if you want a brocha. Um and that was Rebbe Yoshiv Shita. Rebbe Yoshev felt that 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 that's it's it's better, even right? even if you have a tremendous you had a tremendous relationship with your father or your grandfather, it's better to go to Koisel, he says, is the best place to die. And it could be, I think, part of what he meant was not only because of the medrash, but also because of the the fact that you do have people davening there, the fact that it is a place that other people have davened. Um, I think Rabbi Yosha was also going on a practical level as well. And are you are going to schlep out to a graveyard? There is something, there is a, a sense of emotion, there's a great feeling, but Rabbi Yosha felt, I think, practically, that tefillahs at the kotzel would be the best place. That would be the best place to connect to the Ravon Um Rabbi Yosha was asked, about someone who had, uh, who had a stroke. Um, and it was a stroke where something, a brain vessel, a blood vessel had burst in the person's, uh, brain. And what they said was that his, um, that his brain, uh, and the, and the spinal cord, uh, had been, um, had been injured in a way that the doctor said there's nothing that can be done for him. And they referred to him as a vegetable. So, they asked Rebel Yoshev, "Does it make sense to daven for such a person?" Medical science has said that the person is unredeemable. There's nothing we can do. We have never seen this type of thing happen. Can you daven for a miracle to happen? So Rebel Yoshev says it's possible the doctors are right. It's possible that we're talking about something that cannot, couldn't happen only with a miracle. But you should still daven for the person. But you should daven that his situation should be easier he should is, somehow he shouldn't be in as much pain, whatever they're saying, he doesn't feel anything. Well, the felt you can still daven for that person that his situation should be easier than it is. Um, but you shouldn't ask for something that's against nature. That is what, that was a sheet of rebel Yoshev. You don't daven if Someone is so far beyond being saved. You don't. And the, it's like that type of situation where they can show you in the MRI are on this CAT scan that the, that the, that there's been a, a break in the, in, in the brainstem. You don't dob for that. It's interesting that, um, Rav Chaim Kanyevsky, Rav, Rav Yoshim's son-in-law, um, said that, you know, he says, even though he's heard, you know, doctors have given up and they've said this person is a vegetable and irretrievable, sometimes a person comes back from that. So you see, he says, it's not like a miracle. He says, there's some, there, there is some way that it could be healed. We don't know what it is. And maybe we can discover it. So therefore, Rav Chaim, his son-in-law, disagreed with his father-in-law. He felt it's not considered davening for a miracle. Many people who people have written off as, as, as being in a vegetative state have come back. And therefore that shows you that there's just something we're missing to figure out what it was, if we can replicate what it was that saved that person, the doctors could find that out here too, and maybe there is a chance, and therefore Rabbi Yoshev Rav Chaim Kanievsky felt it wasn't against the nature to Tadabin for that. Interesting machleik is between uh, the, both of them in that case of Ha'isha Tadabin. Again, I know a lot of people would like to Tadabin in Lost Causes. I, I think Rabbi Yoshev's uh, Derech, I think, is is probably the best one, but I'm not going I would never say anything against anybody who would take Reb Kanyevsky on this and say they're going to in for a miracle no matter what. Um, interesting segula, and maybe those of you that are that are not feeling so well, we can maybe have a seder in this. Reb Yoshev said someone once came to Reb Yoshev and, and, and was crying about how difficult things were that uh, he has various illnesses and other things. So Rabbi Yoshev told him something, and you can look this person up, I didn't get a chance to yet, Rav Matas David, I'm not sure who he was, but Rabbi Yoshev, called, Rabbi Yoshev referred to him as a tzaddik. So Rav Matas David said that he had a kabbalah that if a chayla themselves, maybe other people, if the chayla wants to really get better, what he should do, listen to this, you can see it here on the on the screen, um Now that is an incredible tshuva safer. We've talked about it here in this class a number of times, um, and I'm ready for that segula. <laughs> you know, I don't know if it works for, everybody, but it, but it sounds like that's a nice segula to be able to learn learn it So if anybody's interested in, and if they have some illness or something, uh, get in touch with me and maybe we'll do a, a simon of of the neida Yehuda. Uh, together Um, I want to talk a little bit about this was about people being ill let's talk about something else now Nebuch if someone passes away Yoshev lived to be uh, 102 I believe Uh, he was born in uh, 1910 and he died in 2012 so that was he lived to be about 102, I believe he was born Rishchaydish Nissan um, in 2010, and he died uh, right before of right uh, the twi- it's his, his yurt's it's going to be coming up soon right before of in um, in 2012. He outlived at least maybe more than one or two. He outlived two of his daughters. One of his daughters was the famous. Uh, Batsheva Kanievsky. You know, I'm sure you've heard of her. That was Rav Chaim Kanievsky's wife. Another one was uh, the Rav Lea, Rav Leia Rebbe That was Rav Uzriel Orebach's wife. Rav Ulyashev and Rav Shumazam were were makhutane, meaning Rav Shumazam and son married Reb Ulyashev's daughter. Now, after uh, Rav Ulyashev's wife died, his daughter became one of, uh, his protector, Revitz and Leah. But it seems like, I don't know what illness she had, but, um, she died before him. She died two years before he did. So at the age of a hundred, he, he had to bury his, his, his daughter. Um, and one of the interesting, there, there, people of course were observing everything about Rebel Yoshev at that point. And Rebel Yoshev, uh, she had taken care of him, uh, she had uh, helped him in so many, many ways. When they were going to the Levaya, they knew that they were going to rip Kriya at the Levaya. So they brought Rebel Yoshev an old frock. And they figured that he would he would rice kriya rip kriya with this old frock. And Rabbi Yoshev says, "I want my best frock. I want the frock that I wear when I act as a sandik at a bris, because she deserves that." Um, and they told his son-in-law, Rav Chaim Kanievsky, uh, about this. Um, and Rav Chaim said, if that's, uh, they asked Rav Chaim, isn't it Baltashkas? There's other frocks you could wear. You could still be Makhaim the mitzvah. Why did he want to rip uh, a frock that was probably very expensive? So Rav Chaim said that, Rav Chaim Kanievsky said, that if you take a look, you'll see from the Gemara that Rabbi yechanan did the same thing. That's what Rav said, that Rabbi Yechinen did the same thing. Um, they figured out what, what's, what Rabbi Yechenen was Rav Chaim talking about. So it's actually in the Yer and Bava It says that Rabbi Yechenen was once going from uh, Tveria to Tsipari. And as he was going there, somebody was coming out of Tsipairi, And he said, I hear there's a lot of screaming, there's a lot of... A lot, of, a, lot, a lot of moaning. What's going on? So he said, there's a Chocham who died. And everybody is, 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 is fighting over the s'kus to be able to be his pallbearer, to be the ones taking care of him at the Leviah. So Rabbi Yechanan figured out that it had to be Rabbi Hanina who died. Rabbi Yechanan stopped. Rabbi Yechanan said, please, can you do me a favor? I'm Rabbi Yechanan. Could you go and to my family, and tell them to bring me my Shabbos Pagodim. So they brought him his Shabbos Pagodim, And then I guess then when he entered the city, he ripped Kriya with his Shabbos begotten. So the Gemara says he should have ripped Kriya right away. Because as soon as he figured out that Rabchanina had died, that's when you feel you need to rip your clothing in pain. So the Yershaomi says, that Rabbi Yochanan wanted to show COVID. So even though on one hand you rip Korea to show your pain, but he was, he stopped in order to put on a, a more chashim and more expensive item of clothing in order to rip that. And that is the shayrish. That's really where what Rabbi Yoshev based it on that, that when, when someone is a person of such chashivos, and this is the way he felt about his daughter, he felt that he wanted to show chashivas for her, and he wanted to rip specifically a very expensive item of clothing. Um, one more thing about Nebuch uh, this this uh, this topic. Um, the Gemara says that when you go to be menachem obol someone, that uh, you're not uh, you're not supposed to talk until the Oval speaks. Let me read you the words, of the Gemara. It's right here on the screen. with Ad Oval. That they are not allowed to begin talking until the Oval begins to talk. Now, what's the rationale behind that? Now, again, people, many times, I've been in a, a base Oval where a person had lost a child. It was a child that I think had died from SIDS. And I sat with a number of other people. It was a big Talmud Chochem I went to visit. And for 45 minutes, we sat there, and nothing was said at all. We sat there. And I think I've told you this story, Moshe, that, the, um, Moshe, that, that when I got up to leave, the person knew that I was learning in a certain yeshiva, and he wrote out a check for Tzadok of that yeshiva. But not one thing was said by anyone. That's a, the law of Hilchus Avelus. What's the rationale behind it exactly? So Rabbi Yoshev, when he was giving shir on this gemara in Mo'yed um in um, uh, 2002, which was eight years before his, his daughter died, said this was the pshat. He said that the, um, that the rationale was this. The Gemara says in Brochos that the main schar you get uh, at, at a house of when someone has passed away is, 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 is not saying anything. Which means, it can be inherently fulfilled by being quiet. Because Rabbi Yoshev says, a shtat v'spitzah is that showing that you, you, you share the pain of that person? Like you can't speak either. So sitting there and not speaking along with that other person, when you sit there and you don't speak and you're with the person who has passed away, uh, the person whose relative has passed away, you're sharing that incapability of speech. That Rebel Yoshab felt is also Nirchama Velin, because that shows a commonality with them, just like that person can't talk, you can't talk. But then he says there's another mitzvah Nirchama Velin, and that's by speaking to the person. Now, you need the speaking to the person is, is saying the things the person needs to hear. Now, you can't begin to fulfill that second part of the mitzvah, not just showing solidarity, until he starts to talk. Because once he starts to talk, you'll know where his pain is and what what you should intelligently respond to. Then you could do Nechama on on level two. But if you don't hear what the Ovil says, then... How are you going to be able to say anything? So in other words, it's practical. You're already being makayim nichom avelem, in other words, by sitting there with the person, showing that, showing that camaraderie, that you share this sense that of, of, of destruction, that nothing can be said. But if you want to fulfill the other thing, which is a little bit trickier, you need to wait till he tells you. And once he tells you, then you could start, responding, because then you know what he needs to hear. That's what Rabbi Yoshev said in uh, in, 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 in um, 2002 when he was giving Sheer on this. Now, the Arach if you take a look in Euridea, the Arach says, that's of course uh, Rabbi Re- Chiel Michel Epstein, he says that the idea of waiting until the Oval speaks is because, what is the idea of Niham Eventually, to do not just to make him feel better. It's for the ovel to say, "I accept God's judgment." So, what you, you need to wait for the ovel to speak. Meaning, by his speaking, he's showing you that he accepts that God has is just. Once that happens, then the Aruch HaSholchat says, "Then you." Join him, meaning he needs to begin the process because his statement is the statement of "I accept God's judgment." Now he might not say it in that way, but that's what his statement is, in essence, doing. So then, once that statement is on the table, so then you then speak to him. That's what the Shochan says. Now that's what are, that's those are now after. Rebbits and Leah Arabach died however um after Rebbits and Leah Arabach died it was a little bit different he said the following and he said it he was 100 years old when he said it and he said it to his son-in-law Reb Chaim he says you know why you have to wait for the ovil to talk, because the whole idea of nisham is gemilas chesed. You need to see if the ovil can is ready to accept it. Is the ovil psychologically ready to accept what you have to say? If you do, and if he and if he doesn't talk, that means you can't talk. The whole idea of nihama is Velam to, is, is to somehow allow to help the Ovo through. But if he's not ready, if he's not really lekabel tanhumin, if you see, then Ovo, an Ovo that's like that, where he can't accept the nihama, so you're not allowed to talk because he, 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 you're not you don't have the other here that you could do this mitzvah to you have no you have no to do and be and and many times when you go through such pain, we can imagine what he was feeling with his daughter. Bye-bye. yes um you know it's not the place for a person. If you go to visit, Jackie's asking a good question. Jackie's saying, you go to the base oval, It's the opposite of what I described. The OVO is talking, but he's talking about other things. He's talking about things that have nothing to do with the person who died, nothing to do with the pain. So what should you do? Should you join him? So this you, you need to understand, sometimes people switch the subject because it's too hard to confront. They want, they know you're there. And in a way, that's sort of an nechama to, to, to engage in that small talk. The person's doing it. I mean, it's not your place to say, oh, we shouldn't be talking like this. This is a house of an Ovel. He's the Ovel. He knows that. Believe me. So it isn't your place to correct him and say we should only be speaking about the maze and speaking about things on your heart. However, again, I I would suggest that it isn't the place to start necessarily joking around and talking in a way where you completely forget things. I think what you need to do is show you're a friend, show you're connected. And, And if the person says, hey, remember when we did this and this and this and talks about things like that? You nod, you smile, you show... A, a, a camaraderie and a connection, but you don't necessarily say, "Hey, let's talk about what really happened." If you see, and again, this is t- this is why you need to to be a a mechokham to go to, to somebody's house, and you have you have to realize what needs to be done. Um. And the Rabbi, Rabbi Yoshev says sometimes you have to read it the other way. Sometimes the Ovil's not ready; he's not ready, and therefore you have to wait until he begins to talk. Um, it was interesting. Um, we'll just do one last thing on this. Um, well, two two more things. When the Ger Rebbe came to Rabbi Yoshev to be Menachemim, uh, Rabbi Yoshev said to him, um, again, they were talking, and, and the, um, the Ger Rebbe asked, why don't you make a bracha on nicham why don't we make a bracha to be Menachem and ovil? So Rebel Yoshev says, because you don't know if it's going to work. The whole idea of gemilas, before you walk in, you're going to make a bracha? The esot of the mitzvah is to be goy chesed. If, 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 if the Ovel is not changed, if he's still in pain, if he still has such terrible hurt, then your visit didn't accomplish that. So you don't make that bracha. Because it could be the ovil's not going to talk, and it could be even if he talks, you're not going to be successful in, in in making him feeling any better. So therefore, that's the reason why you don't make a brach on such a thing. One other little practical thing: they asked Rebbe Yosef. Uh, sometimes you have a bunch of people sitting around the ovil, and you have, if if the ovil, let's say the ovil turn the oval puts his face towards one person and clearly is talking to that person. Can you start talking too? So there Rebbe Yoshev said that uh, once he starts talking to someone, then even though he's not talking to you, you can say something to him as well. You don't have to wait for him to talk to you. If he's talking to someone else or if you're coming in and he's in the middle of a conversation, you you don't need to follow this rule of waiting uh, for the Ovel to speak before you can say anything. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.